Hello and welcome to 25 Cents, a video game podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Nick. Each episode we'll be talking about the games we've tried, other games we keep going back to, and what we think might be great games to check out if you've got kids. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts on the web or at goodstuff.network. Hey, Nick. Welcome back to 25 Cents. How are you? Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, yeah, it's, it feels like we're recording on Tuesdays instead of a Thursday, so everything's all up is down, left is right. and uh, But the gaming goes on, as they say. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, let's jump right I, in. I think they it, do say that. I think, yeah. I think we should say that if, if they don't say that. That could be our tagline now. The gaming goes on. <laughs> what, yes. uh, let's jump right into Switch Corner. What, uh, what have you been hearing and playing or... What what news do you bring yeah. from Switch World? Yeah, so not not a lot uh, to add on on Switch Corner. I did install the demo of one of the games that we covered uh, two episodes back on uh, I think on um, the the indie the indie event, but haven't actually played it yet. Uh, been rather busy with work, unfortunately. So my game time has been down a little bit. But uh, I did see the trailer for Game Builder Garage, which caught my eye, um, and I think. It's coming out uh, in June, June 11th. And this is the kind of game programming light thing that I think my son would really, really love. You know, you're kind of doing some programming, but roughly with with kind of flow charts, event flow um, mm-hmm. to make sprites and stuff. Um, if you watch if you watch the the trailer, we'll include the link in the show notes. Uh, near the end, they show some example games and I think there's a there's a different tier from what a random kid at home will be making versus what a game professional can make with, yeah. with the toolkit they're providing. <laughs> but it looks like it would be a fun game to to build some stuff with. Did you ever try um not Paper Mario, the Super Mario uh oh Builder? Mario Maker? Mario Maker, yeah. Did you ever try that at all? I, I've never had it uh to play it at length. I, I actually played it at I think the Living Computers Museum here had uh, it set up on a machine or or maybe it was over at museum of pop culture but what one of them had a had a setup so i played it for a few minutes but i've never gotten into it i know it's it's pretty popular and you can share your levels um and uh, you know definitely can see the appeal of of creating pitfalls for your friends um, i know we've, we've talked similarly about wonderbox uh, on apple arcade you know having that kind of oh make make a quick little puzzle for your for your friends to play yeah yeah and that's what i think uh for for me as a grown adult with business and work uh requirements nice m- coffee mug by the way <laughs> you covid uh with those kind of requirements it's like uh do i want to go build more or work like it feels almost like i have to work to create a world and so i'd much rather dive into it like mario game or whatever but but the game builder garage right. and stuff definitely is like a. I feel like um yeah plant especially in the handheld mode even being able to do that just like sitting on you know, like on a road trip or whatever um or sitting at the table if you're doing some lunch things or whatever and playing it that way. It looks like it could be fun for kids to try out. I always feel like the, the programmer types are going to, the, the ones you're going to go on to develop games or programmer types are going to find that and then move on fairly quickly from those things where it's just kind of like a little taste for most other folks just to, or kids or whatever to try it out and see, uh, see what it's like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as far as my own, you know, game making, obviously the, the tools were a little different when, when I was a, uh, I guess it's more like, preteen teen but you know i I did a few very trivial like hypercard games uh way back and then um 
you know, I did some game modding where you could like create scenarios for escape velocity and stuff. I think I've mentioned before, mm-hmm. but there was there were, weren't really tools like this uh, that you could get into without doing like your full you know game engine, or or often there weren't even game engines. You you were mostly you know going from scratch. Um, but yeah, I, I think it it looks like it's kind of in the similar vibe to um, you know what was it like Little Big Planet or mm-hmm. what's that one where you can combine items to make other items and kind of solve puzzle levels. Well, that's actually, there's one that it's not Roblox. There's one my kids are came home with now. That's like some sort of like they build things in the website and they're trying to figure out the, the, the ingredients or the whatever to the recipe to build new things together. And they're talking about what they've built and it's either, maybe it's Bloxper. I don't know. It's no, that's a Roblox thing as well. I can't find it right now. My Googling isn't working, but um, yeah, there's a bunch of like these kind of builder games, like obviously jumping off of Minecraft, even that, um, that kids, at least my kids anyways, keep coming home with that they want to dive into and yeah, yeah trying to figure out which is the best way to <laughs> manage all of the things across three kids interests and what, what have you. But um, I like to, I like to limit it to like Apple Arcade, Switch, Xbox, as far as like the platform, because the web is kind of like wide open, but there is like you said, way more possibilities on the web of what you can do in terms of the tooling and stuff. And uh, just kind of balancing that with like the infinity box of YouTube that's also on the web. <laughs> yeah. Pulls them into. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've let, um, let my son play around a little bit with scratch. Um, he's also played around with the, um, the swift playgrounds, but that's much harder. Cause it's, is it? yeah, it's I was like going to ask you that. Um, you're, you're basically learning, you know, you know, basic swift control structures. You're right. You're writing code. You're not just stringing together blocks and events. Um, like some of the other teaching languages, but we did sign up for a virtual camp at the science center this summer. That's going to be, I think scratch based. So they'll, they'll build like some little story game, uh, in scratch, uh, probably on the web. Um, so we'll have to see how that, um, that goes. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a lot of fun once, uh, once school's out in a few weeks. And then especially when they tie it into, I don't know if that's exactly what this is, but I know we did some like uh, where they tied it into uh, robot controls, like real world mm-hmm. robot that you can control with your commands and things like that. And so it gets a lot of fun sort of seeing the real world application as well beyond gaming or yeah, virtual, I guess. So Yeah, yeah I have an old, uh, a rather old Lego Mindstorm set um, over, I guess, like the version from about 15 years ago. And unfortunately, the the sort of core computer block seems to have died and it, it doesn't matter anyway because the software um i would have to find like a like windows a windows 5. xp box to oh, run yeah. it on um you know because it's it's um it hasn't been updated in in many years yeah <laughs> yeah speaking of pcs quickly i still want a gaming pc stream pc but yeah prices are dumb so moving on from that you said something about yeah every, everything uh i mean it's it's kind of not not to get the the relevant uh, fans angry at us, but I mean, it seems like <laughs> cryptocurrency mining is is severely impacting. In addition to the environmental impact of some of the algorithms, severely impacting the supply of of PC parts. Um, I was just uh, came across on my on my Twitter timeline this morning that so there's this newer one called Chia that uses proof of space, where I guess you're you're performing many writes to disk as part of the mining operation as opposed to compute. Um, and uh, there's a report that you can completely destroy a, an SSD in six weeks because you're you're doing so many frequent <laughs> writes that the you know the little transistors e- each individual transistor can only be flipped so many times. Yeah, and um, 
you know, the way the way a modern computer manages it is it it your your SSD effectively slowly shrinks over time and it tries to do a really good job of spreading the writes across it so it's not overwhelming any particular region. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we need the Syracuse file system bell in here in a moment, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it sounds like another entry in the, why are we building this, um, kind of technology? Uh, yeah. If it was like dirty oil spilling over a tub on a, as a truck drove down the highway or whatever, calling the, you know, the, the gain, financial gains of crypt- cryptocurrency, we'd be like, this is awful. This is gross. But I think there's something about like just tossing an SSD drive in the bin and grabbing a new one doesn't feel quite so uh, gross. Anyways, we can yeah leave that to. Another I think part. anyway that might be why part of why some of your parts are hard yeah, to find from, from what I hear. Uh, speaking of overpriced parts, Apple Corner. We we talked last time about <laughs> Apple TV hardware, which is still. I'm I order. We talked about ordering. We both ordered the 64 gig. I think right, and so we're that's shipping end of the month. I think is what they had said. So waiting on those parts to arrive and see how much our world and our lives improve dramatically. I'm sure. Um, I was actually we were watching uh, For All Mankind, and I was so on the Xbox. The Apple TV app has some bugs in it for sure. Like occasionally it'll reset and you just kind of like have to restart the app and, and find your way back into the show. If it happened to skip or not remember where you left off because it wasn't, you know, official pause of the movie. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, Apple TV itself is better. Although I know from experience that it is software on hardware and sometimes it has issues as well, despite being Apple. So, um, that's a, something I'm looking forward to with that and disconnecting the TV from being a smart TV too would be nice. But, um, any games that you've been playing in Apple arcade? Yeah, I, I did. I did try one of the recent Apple arcade releases. So it's Simon's cat story time. I, I know I've seen this animated character around the web before, but I'm not too familiar with it. So it, it's a, you know, it's a branded property. Um, it's basically candy crush. So, you know, you're clearing mm-hmm. a board every level, there's, you know, things that can clear a line, things that can clear an area like a bomb. You can combine them. You can clear all of one color, you know, these sorts of things. And there's different blockers that, that you know, can appear on different levels that you have to clear first before you meet whatever the goal is. Um, and it's got this kind of uh, long story of, of this, these neighbors working together to um, uh, rehabilitate an old like park and public garden or something seems to be the story. Um, I'm on, I think the fifth chapter out of, uh, 16. So, um, you know, I've gotten, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple hours of puzzle play spread over the last few weeks. And, you know, obviously there's going to be several more. Um, it doesn't look like you can go back and repeat levels. You, you basically, once you clear a level, you get a star, which lets you unlock the next stage of the, the next cutscene in the story. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a good casual mobile puzzle game. There's nothing you know, terribly revolutionary for it. The story is kind of interesting. There's little cute animated pets that everyone has. Um, and, uh, it, it, it must be, um, must be a British property because the, um, the language is definitely, uh, British English. Mm. Um, and, and the characters seem to be, you know, somewhere near London, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> How's your your accent picking out uh, geographic or England? <laughs> well, there, there's not there's not audio, but just the the oh, word choices, right? right? Yeah, gotcha. I thought you were that that talented at picking out. No, accents. no, not not a skill Original. of of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, we haven't. Uh, I I'll, on camera here I can see I got my uh, 
Xbox controller that came in, which is Lime. My daughter reminded me not bright yellow for Lemon Productions, but uh, the it's a beautiful looking controller and sits really nicely on the desk. I actually haven't played a lot with it yet um, in terms of using it with Apple Arcade, but the that this paired with the Apple TV when that comes is sort of my the end game for that that part of it. <laughs> um to try out some of the games on there and mm-hmm. uh i did a little bit of just quickly trying out with the uh, wonder box actually and and the controls once you have i was worried that they wouldn't have mapped the controls to the xbox controller very well because they didn't seem to map the, the keyboard mouse controls super well but the controller actually works really well with the, the game in game it's like mm-hmm. the buttons are mapped right there's uh, the start button etc all the things kind of work really well and moving the camera around works as, as you'd expect and with the uh the second joystick and uh yeah so it actually was a really nice experience so then i'm i was i had hooked synced it up to my phone which works well enough and then i actually should what i should do is hook it up to my laptop for now my macbook um to use it on the bigger screen obviously it would be basically the same kind of experience as what hopefully the apple tv would would give um right with that so it's a nice nice addition to definitely gaming. I didn't have a controller at all before with Apple Arcade, so now I'm kind of rethinking some of the old games that I've tried that might be worth going back and revisiting with a controller again. Yeah, the the Apple Arcade play in there is interesting. I, I think we've talked about this before, but that you know the developers have to support three very different input modes um, on four very different platforms. Um, I, I mean, obviously, you know your your random you know most most of your random Steam games are going to support keyboard and mouse as well as uh, some kind of controller right um, but you know that's just going to be on a big it's expected to be on a big screen you know a lot of these these arcade games also have to have touch controls which is a very different paradigm um, that said as, as we've reviewed a lot of the games on the show you know there have definitely been games where um, you know this is like certain games are clearly kind of touch native first and some games maybe are more suited to the controller uh, but the I, it's it's interesting to see how the developers handle that, and yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to. I I have a an Xbox controller that I got for Apple Arcade, um, you know, uh, a year and a half ago, and and I've used it a little bit with my Mac, but um, and and the the family iPad, but have not really gotten to get into some of the games that I think would be best suited to that that interface in the big screen on the big screen uh, in the living room. Yeah, there's something about sitting down. It's probably the ultimate peak North American, anyways, laziness of like being able to sit on a couch, controller in hand, big bigger screen of some sort in front of you, and that's like to me is equates video game. When I'm sitting at my desk here and like on my laptop or at the, even at the kitchen table, let's say or whatever with the laptop or my phone on a you know held up, somehow that feels like sort of work ish play. Right. Whereas downstairs, it's like a complete. I mean, this is a very first world problem, but like I walk down the stairs, hit, sit, the, sit on the couch, turn on the TV, that feels like, okay, I'm now relaxing in video game land mode or whatever, or watching TV mode, I guess, often, most often. But um, and so that's sort of the the experience I'm after. But at any rate, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I, I sympathize with the developers having to try and figure out which, especially supporting Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah. the For a little while, they had the Apple TV remote that was kind of sort of supported as a controller. <laughs> and right the the new the new model does or the new model remote does not have the gyroscopic controls which is a smart i think thing just to say like no this isn't gonna work (laughs) just move on um i i think the do they i can't remember if that was a thing at one point it was a thing where you could use your phone as a controller itself like there's some sort of app controller thing 
but maybe they gave that up as well. But there, there is still the remote app that can control the the Apple TV interface. I have not seen any reports as to whether you can use it to play for gaming, games yeah. that way. Um, and I would, I would assume that since that's going over a Wi-Fi connection, somehow a the the um, the latency may not be there for for some games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in just random other things that is, I think, more heavily on the rumor side versus anything reality, although it's very possible they'd be working on this, is there's a rumor going around that Apple's developing a Nintendo Switch style console, that, you know, handheld thing, which feels like a fairly obvious thing to me that they would be at least trying and experimenting with and maybe even ordering parts to do. And who knows? Uh, the idea that they'd be approaching bigger game publishers like Ubisoft, you know, and that, and that kind of thing to develop for this platform feels a little far fetched right now. Just, I mean, it's possible, obviously, that they would throw some money at them to say, hey, build us a game and see what you could do with it. But I don't know why. I mean, it feels a little bit like uh, whatever they're, they'd be at now with all their different areas they're focused on, but like a fifth or sixth level kind of thing where Apple Arcade is very obviously casual-ish gaming and t- to go all in on an actual gaming platform with hardware focused feels, especially when they haven't really been that pumped about the Apple TV, even as a gaming platform, feels a little like a bit of a stretch but maybe this is where why it's not i guess because they're thinking this i don't know i just include it for yeah i mean i guess you could think of it as something that's more in the ipod touch lane where it's like you you want a you know a mobile-ish device that can drive a big screen sometimes so dockable like a switch but you don't want it to be a full phone and app platform so um, and and certainly they've got all the developer tools you know between apple arcade and all the platform stuff and all of the um, the shift, um, I, I don't do Apple development, but all the shift towards Swift UI being, you know, everything's just sort of infinitely scalable to any mm-hmm. kind of screen and interface, uh, um, arrangement that they, they could be doing that. It does seem like something where someone managed to catch a glimpse of a prototype something. And, you know, I'm sure there's dozens of things like that, that never make it out of the Apple lab. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know some some collectors go after the old uh, Pippin, which was the Bandai <laughs> Apple uh, video game console collaboration in in the mid '90s, back before the return of Steve and the uh, the simplification of the of the lines to save the company. Yeah, it'd be a, <laughs> that's where sometimes I look at not to go too far down the Apple rabbit hole, but um, the. Uh, yeah, just the diversification of Apple, which happened obviously while he was there too, but just how many different areas Apple's got their fingers in these days uh, and whether he would be like, hey, remember simple, but who knows? Money's obviously no problem. Yeah, right the, now, so. I, the other thing too from the from the game side and like courting those big developers is like, I, I know I've uh, read um, uh, Shahid Kamal who used to work for Sony and was like a PlayStation developer person like or not a developer but he worked with the developers to get them on the platform is it seems like apple does not have a very big or deep team doing that work like obviously they're getting developers in apple arcade but my sense from people who i follow who are much more into the video game industry apple is not doing the kinds of things they need to be doing to build those relationships and it sounds kind of similar to some of the stuff that happened when Apple TV Plus was first launching and there were these rumors around like they're not making the right kinds of deals with Hollywood. They're not talking like Hollywood people talk. They're coming in as a tech company and trying to just do their own thing. And that maybe didn't work for a year or two. And then they had to to kind of align with the way the industry does things. So I wonder if that 
is something that would shift, you know, now as we're approaching uh, a year and a half of Apple Arcade. Yeah, with numbers, they can say like these many, this many users, et cetera. And so then it's worth developing. Even I would imagine even like for a game developer, just to have just because the Apple's going to throw a ton of money at you, there's still like an artistic side of it where you want your game to be played by lots of people. And so if you know that whatever Wonderbox only has 10,000 users really versus your Switch that gets 2 million users, it's, there's just a difference, <laughs> even if it's got some money behind it or whatever that Apple can throw at them. So for that experience of developing for it. So who knows? We'll see. Um, moving on to tabletop corner. We, uh, I'll just quickly say that lost cities actually just yesterday made a comeback. I finally have some games to report on that's tabletop games. <laughs> <laughs> We've been very absent lately from the, the tabletop other than eating <laughs> and, uh, and chess actually came back as well. And then, uh, badminton was the other, which is not tabletop in any way, but, uh, we picked up a cheaper badminton set at Costco that occupied the kids. And then of course, as soon as we do that, it's been windy for like a week straight, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, finally, we, we've been getting the oddly cold May here as well, so I haven't had as much outside time yet. Yeah, how about you? What uh, what have you guys been playing, if anything? Um, yeah, so we, uh, well, I'm blanking on the name of it, the city building game that we that I talked about last episode. We played a few more rounds of that, um, and then you know we always have kind of like Uno in the rotation and Sushi Go and some of the other light card games when we have a, a quick game to play. Um, the, the latest thing I've added, uh, is actually in the RPG space. So I saw, uh, going on sale from some, some folks I've followed on Twitter for, for years who are, you know, interested, who make games, um, a, a new RPG set rule and set rules and setting called hardwired Island. Um, so it's a, it's like a retro futuristic cyberpunk game, um, it's set on a O'Neill cylinder space station at the Earth Moon L5 Lagrange point. Um, and uh, you know they they very explicitly say it's heavily inspired by a lot of uh, 90s anime you know references to Akira and Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell and and all these things. And um, it looks really interesting. And I know my son has kind of is aware of sort of the cyberpunk aesthetic because like we have a couple of books that are or or other things that are relevant in that area and there's like it it features heavily in music videos so so my son's been interested in sort of the the cyberpunk aesthetic bits that he's been exposed to i don't think he really understands the sort of true punk aspect of it because i i think a lot of what gets labeled cyberpunk is sort of you know, neon techno city stuff, right? And that's present true in in a lot of present too in in a lot of video games. But um, you know, this this source book, and I've I've been skimming the PDF, uh, is is much more explicitly the classic political take on cyberpunk. You know that that technology has sort of uh, amplified the have and have not divides uh, in society, and you know what what all does that mean? Um, but yeah, it, it, it looks really cool what I've read so far. Um, they have a lot of interesting rules around how you would manage your, your cybernetic implants and, and what kind of jobs you can do. Um, one of the big elements is everyone, every, every character can work on like a gig app. Um, they have some different made up gig apps that you, you, you know, to do random jobs on the space station um, while in between adventures. So some interesting ideas. And then there's a they commissioned a soundtrack to go with the game. Oh, nice. Um, by, so it's available on Bandcamp. Uh, it's this guy, Neon Shutter. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, so there's sort of a, 
again, a musical homage to the the fiction style of the era. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. I think probably what we'll do, since I don't really have a lot of full um, RPG gaming time to do like a campaign, is I'll probably run you know a little mini adventure as like an intro to, or another intro to um, playing these sorts of games and storytelling and see see what what my son thinks of that. Because I think he he would enjoy the idea of like, wandering around a space station and like, you know, uh, fixing a, fixing a robot on a quest kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, so it's like a, uh, where you DM the game, like that kind of game, or is it more like you both follow along? Yeah. So it's not, there are some are tabletop RPGs that are like pure, just cooperative storytelling where there's no, uh, fixed game master, but yeah. So this one, you know, what one person would have to be playing, you know, all of the other characters that you interact with and setting up the story and the rest of the people would be playing their characters. Yeah. Right. Nice. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was one of those things too, that I think it came out a couple of weeks ago and there's like this whole thing over whether $30 was too much for a PDF. And it's like, no, there's, it's like 400 pages of really detailed game content. Like that's easily $30 worth. Right. Like, yeah, that's it's, well, yeah, I saw that 397 page PDF alone. is just like, I mean, assuming it's filled with relevant (laughs) content, which it sounds like it is, then like that alone is just, there's yeah, $30 is almost nothing for that considering what you get just because you don't get a printed out copy. Maybe that's where people are feeling like, I would pay 30 or $50 for a hardcover book, maybe or whatever. But even then I think there'd be, they'd be a lot more than that. If you, you got a hardcover version of something like this. So, um, yeah, it seems like, yeah, looking, looking forward to playing some of that. Cool. All right. Well, um, it feels like we're, we're short this time. We have like ran through our list of, of conversation topics already. So, which is okay. We'll keep, we'll keep you guys, uh, you listeners anyways, with uh, more free time to go play games. (laughs) I guess what, uh, let us know what you're listening to or listening or not. I mean, you're listening to this hopefully right now, I guess, but <laughs> let us know what you're playing. Uh, you can uh, tweet at us 25 C arcade on Twitter. Um, and let us know what you're playing, what games you think we should cover. What, uh, where can I find a cheap video card? That's worth, that's actually good. Th- those kinds of important questions are ones you can answer for us <laughs> for future episodes. Um, anything else you want to cover before we go? No, I think that's it. We've, we've, uh, maybe we'll get more into, into, uh, games as I, as I, uh, convalesce for my second, uh, second shot this week. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I know everybody, I think up, up here in Canada, anyways, we're, a lot of us are still like first shot and then the second shot is like months away actually. Um, and so, but we keep hearing the reports of like, oh my goodness, the second shot was so whatever. And like, it's almost working against the idea of, I think people getting their first shot. There's kind of this idea, like the, the vaccine is, is painful or like, yeah, going to make you feel gross. And so, but, uh, luckily at least here, yeah. anyways, where we are, it's, there's pretty high uptake. So definitely willing to take a day or two of feeling awful to not get the, the rest <laughs> of it. <laughs> exactly. That's totally well, I think, but, uh, yeah, anyways, we won't go down that path too far. Yeah. Again, uh, maybe, maybe stepping on a rake too much there. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening to 25 Cents, our video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iChris. And you can find me on Twitter and most everywhere else as UltraNerd and URD. And like I said, you can find 25 Cents wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out the Good Stuff Patreon, patreon.com slash goodstuff. And I'll see you around. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.